I was stu- you're practicing to laugh at my joke? All right. I was talking to Chris last night, and uh, <coughs> I told her that she said, what's wrong? And I said, I'm a little sad um, that <coughs> you're not going to be in heaven with me, and neither is any other woman. And she's like, what makes you say that? And I said, well, I was studying in there, and I read Revelations 8.1. It says, when he opened up the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for a half an hour. So <coughs> must be no women in heaven. Every man <laughs> was busting up. <laughs> I'm just saying, I thought Matt was going to fall out of his seat up there. Uh, a man was sitting next to Einstein on a long flight. Einstein turned to him and said, let's play a game. I'll ask you a question, and if you can't answer it, uh, I'll, uh, you give me $5. And then you ask me a question. If I can't answer it, then I'll give you $500. He's like, all right. So Einstein started and I said, how far is it from Earth to the moon? The guy thought about it for a while, and he said, I, I'm sorry, I don't know the exact distance. Here's your $5. He reached in his pan, uh, pocket, gave him $5. <coughs> and then uh, Einstein said, all right, your turn, go ahead. And he said, what goes up a hill with three legs and comes down with four? Einstein thought and thought. He went over all his great knowledge, and he he said, I, I have no idea. So he reached in his pocket and gave him $500. And so he said, all right, it's your turn. Einstein said, all right, but before I ask you my next question, I got to know what goes up a hill with three legs and comes down with four. And the other g- guy goes, I don't know, reached in his pocket, gave him $5. <laughs> so <laughs> That's my kind of deal right there. Matthew chapter 10. If you're watching online or or here today and probably should be uh, Christmas or you're thinking it's a feel good sermon. It's a it's one of those days. Guess again. It is not. It is not one of those. If you have a problem with it, take it up with God. So he's the one that uh, came up with this. It's a feel good one, but it's not your seasonal Christmas typical feel good sermons. It's a little different. So. Matthew chapter 10, verse 7. And as you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Now what is Jesus saying here? Jesus, in essence, is saying, I want you to go and do the stuff that I did. The sermon this morning, I... I give Matt the title to put online. And this morning, my question to you is, are you ready for a miracle? Our Heavenly Father is a supernatural. Sorry if I winch. (laughs) Wince, it's uh, my shoulder here. Um, He's a supernatural prayer answering God. And people who are part of his family should be ready to see miracles we should pray for them and pray to see miracles bill johnson author of when heaven invades earth says it is abnormal for a christian not to have an appetite for the impossible it has been written into our spiritual dna to hunger 
for the impossibilities around us to bow at the name of Jesus. We should be looking for the miracles. We should be looking to pray for the miracles. We should be looking for the supernatural. Instead of being shocked when God answers a prayer, we should be like, well, absolutely. But we're not. Acts chapter 5, verse 12 tells us, And through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people, and they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. Yet none of the rest dared join them, but the people esteemed them highly, and believers were increasingly added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, so that they brought the sick out into the streets and laid them on beds and couches, that at least the shadow of Peter passing by might fall on some of them. Also a multitude gathered from the surrounding cities in Jerusalem, bringing sick people and those who were tormented by unclean spirits, and they were all healed. Now, I interviewed for a church, I don't know, 15, 20 years ago. I don't know. It's been a, been a long time. And we're, on the, we're doing the phone interview. There's, you know, process to everything. And this was the phone interview process. And, um, and they're talking, and everything's going great. And they, they said, do you, you know, how do you feel about miracles or, you know, healings is what they, how do you feel about healings? And I'm like. I don't understand the question, you know, what do you, what do you mean? What are you looking for? And they're like, do you believe in them? I'm like, well, yeah, it's in the Bible. And, and they're like, oh, well, this conversation is ending right here. <laughs> and they said, we believe that it was only for the Bible time. And I said, you are right. This conversation <laughs> is ending. I don't read anywhere in the Bible that it says that it is for that time only. He sits there and he says, go and do what I'm doing. He was an example for us, not an example. I, I don't believe God would put it in the Bible if it was an example for them only for that time. And he said, go and do this stuff. You're to heal the sick, raise the dead, to do the miracles that they were doing there. And so powerful, Peter was filled with the spirit so much that his shadow healed people. Can you imagine? First off, can you imagine what kind of uh, TV news, you know, oh, Peter walks by people and wants them to be healed, thinks that they're going to, they would be such a drama thing about Peter being, this, oh, he's just about this flame. He was so filled with the spirit that the, the healing power of God was through his shadow. We're supposed to be like that. Now, how do we see more miracles in our lives? How do we do that? First off, spend time with Jesus. Acts 4.13. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled, and they realized that they had been with Jesus. I love this scripture because uh, this makes me think of me. <laughs> it says... That they perceive them to be uneducated, untrained men. How many people have ever thought, there's no way I can do it. I'm not trained enough. I don't know enough about God. I don't know enough about the Bible. I don't know how to do miracles. There's no way I could do it. You're untrained. You're uneducated. But what did they say? The second part says, and then they realized they had been with Jesus. 
Whew, I just got goosebumps. That's all it takes, people. It doesn't take education. It doesn't take training. You can go to all the seminary in the world and still go to hell. You can go all the seminary in the world and not heal the sick or raise the dead. That doesn't give you power. Gives you knowledge. But the power of the Holy Spirit, spending time with Jesus, is what gives us the power. John 15, 5 says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. Let's stop right there. It's not the education. It's not the training. It's not any of that. It is without him, you can't do anything. Well, I, it, I, I can't do it. Well, duh, because you're not working for him. You're not working with him. It's in your own thing, your own power. That's your problem. See, we're to do what we're supposed to do, and then the rest of it's God's problem. You invite them to church. You invite them to Christ. You try and witness to them. The rest of it is God because it's his reputation. It's not my reputation. If, so, if I pray for someone and, and they don't get healed, that's not mine. That's not my reputation. That's them or God, whatever, but that's not me. We do our part. If I invite someone, they don't go, come to church, that's not on me. I do my part. If you're not doing your part, that's the problem. We got to do our part. Verse 6. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered and they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. However, I added that word. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit. So you will be my disciples. How many want to see God glorified this morning? How many want to be his disciple this morning? Then we have to bear much fruit. It's not good enough to be like some of the Christians that say, oh, I remember back in the day we used to. That's not what it says there. It says that we are to bear much fruit. Bear is an active word ongoing. We're to bear it constantly, not 30 years ago, back in the day, not even last year. We're to be doing what he said over in Matthew 10. We're to heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead, cast out demons constantly. We're to be doing that, bearing much fruit. Now, it says much. That means that we're to be actively current and a lot. Well, I witnessed to one person. Nope. We're to be doing it all the time. Everyone we see, they may be dying and going to hell, and that's going to be on you. We have to stand before God. If he gives us an opportunity and we don't do it, we're accountable for that. If someone is sick and we don't pray for them, that's on us. I don't want to stand before God and him show, this is my picture, is there's a big screen and I get up there and he's just going through, fast forward, and remember this? I don't want to be doing that. I want him to say, remember this? Well done. Here's your crown. Remember this? Well done. Here's put some more jewels, so many jewels. We got to have another crown. When you want God to say that, I got to have more crowns for this dude. I want more crowns here because we were doing much. We were bearing much fruits over and over, more and more. Now, how do we do that? 
Well, it says to abide in him. Spend time with Jesus. Luke preached last week about the importance of coming to church. People always say that I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. He touched on that a little bit, but we're going to skip that and just ask, why wouldn't you want to? This is the house of the Lord. And he said, where if we abide in him and if this is his house and this is his home, if I want to go visit you, I go to your house. If I want to be in your presence, I go to your house. Why wouldn't you want to come to his house and be in his presence and abide in him? It's a very simple thing to me. Second Kings nine one. <clears throat> and Elisha, the prophet, called one of the sons of the prophets and said to him, get yourself ready. Take this flask of oil in your hand and go to Ramoth Gilead. Now, when you arrive at that place, look there for Jehu, Jehu, uh, the son of Jehoshaphat, the son of Nimshi. And go in and, and make him rise up from among his associates and take him in the inner room. Then take the flask of oil and pour it in his head and say, Thus saith the Lord, I have anointed you king over Israel. Then the door, And then open the door and flee and do not delay. Now notice what God tells them to do right here. It says, makes him rise up from his associates. Now this is going to step on a lot of toes right here. But we're to separate and be sanctified. We're not supposed to be in the same place with the same friends after we're saved as we were before we were saved. Well, I'm just a witness with them. No, we're to be separate. We're to be different. We are in this world. We're not of this world. We're here. We're, we've got to work. We've got to do this. The only thing we're supposed to be witnessing to them but we're not supposed to have the same relationships. The closer we get to God, the further we're getting from man. If you have the same relationships, that means you're at the same place you were or the same place they are. You got to think about that. If they're going this direction, God's over here. We're supposed to be going this direction. He automatically separate. He separated from them. Then he takes them into an inner room, a place of prayer, church, got him separated, got him alone where he could be with God to pray. And then he anoints him with the Holy Spirit and with power. That's where our power comes from. We have to get away from the world. We have to get away from family, friends, associates, whatever it is. We have to get into our place of prayer and then we need to get a hold of the Holy Spirit. The second thing is we have to pray for miracles. Acts 4.29. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all the boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. They're asking God, we want to see a miracle here. God, flow through me and heal these people. The early church prayed for miracles and they saw them throughout. Read the Bible. It's over and over. We need to pray for miracles. We need to pray for them. If we don't ask, we won't receive. You have not because you ask not. Then we need to persevere. I saw this. I thought it was cool. It says push in our prayers. We need to push 
Pray until something happens. Ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking. I know every single person here. Y'all can, we can all be annoying when we want to be. But it's like when it comes to God or against Satan, Satan comes up and we cow down. Well, okay. Why? When we want something from God, we ask once and, well, it must not be his will. I can't stand that statement. Must not be God's will. Well, we have choice and Satan's going to fight. There's choice in things. We keep pushing through. God may, wants to see our perseverance. How many times are you willing to walk around the wall? You going to quit on day one? Are you going to keep walking, keep asking, keep pushing and praying until we see it? And we need to pray with other believers. Matthew 18, 19. Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. We need to be prepared for a miracle. Are we ready for a miracle? I've been a Christian more years than most of the people here. Most, more than too many are, have been alive. Didn't used to be able to say that. But now I can say that. I've been a Christian more than people have been alive. That's a problem. Um, <laughs> but I've seen lots of people get in a situation where they need a miracle for themselves or for someone else. And they're not prepared. They're not ready for the miracle. Pastor, I don't have a lot of faith. How do I get more? Well, first off, you don't need a lot of faith. You don't need a ton of faith. Matthew 17, 19. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why could we not cast it out? And Jesus said to them, Because of your unbelief. For assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. I said it earlier. We need to be shocked when God doesn't do a miracle rather than being shocked when God does a miracle. I can tell you when, when I was praying for Victor, we were praying he was having the brain tumors and stuff, I was shocked when God didn't heal him. I had that kind of faith. And I, I, can, I can also say I haven't always had that faith to where I, I was shocked when God didn't answer. That's the way we should be all the time. When God does it, it should be absolutely, absolutely God healed Jack. Why wouldn't he? He did a miracle there. Why not? That's what he does. He's the miracle working God. That's what we need to be. You don't need much faith. What is a mustard seed? And what can it tell us about it? Jesus said, like a mustard seed. And I've heard many years people say, you know, well, he, he said a mustard seed because it's the smallest seed. Well, it's not the smallest seed. I looked it up. The orchid, orchid seed is the smallest. It's the size of a gra uh, grain of dust. It's so small. The mustard seed is very small, by the way. It is two millimeters, which is 
0.07th of an inch. So it's little. I believe that Jesus said the mustard seed because, yes, it is small. It's very small. But he chose it for much more. You see, the orchid seed is very ha has a very difficult time to grow. The orchid seed um, seeds do not contain nutritional storage tissues. And this is not from my knowledge. I looked it up just so you know. To grow, the seed must land where it will find a particular kind of fungi that can penetrate its root system and convert nutrition into a usable form. It's a lazy seed. It needs something else to do all the work for it. It needs something to penetrate through it and grow for it. He doesn't want you to be like the orchid seed. He wants you to be like the mustard seed. In contrast, the mustard seed will, will grow well in moist soil, ground, <laughs> but will produce the most seed in rich, well-drained, well-prepared soil. We grow better when we're, when we're well-prepared, when we're watered by God, when we have the Holy Spirit, when we have the Word of God in us, when we're flowing the way we're supposed to. However, even small seeds have the power to displace concrete using potential energy that root growth. Now, I found that very interesting. Over time, the plant's continued growth can crack, break, or buckle the surrounding concrete. At which point, it may see the plant break through the surface of a concrete, and then it grows up to 30 feet tall and 20 feet branch um, spread. He chose the mustard seed not just because of its size, but because of its faith. Now, let me read again what it said, what the devil, when I looked up what it pertains to its growth. It says, even small seeds have the power to displace concrete using potential energy from root growth. Do you understand what that's saying? It's saying it's breaking through concrete because it has faith that it's going to get the nutrition from the sun and the roots are going to go and get its water. So it's going to have the power. What kind of faith is that? That's amazing faith. We need to have so much faith. We can break through any concrete that's in front of us because we know God is there. He's going to give us the sunlight. He's going to give us the water we need. That's the faith of a mustard seed. And then it grows through that concrete up to 30 feet tall and 20 feet wide. And the roots are going everywhere down, getting its nutrition. But it started with faith. Potential root growth. That's faith. That's supernatural faith. You want a miracle, then you need to pray for the faith, knowing God's potential. We know God's potential, not ours. That's not faith, but God's potential. We need to stir up your faith for miracles. Romans 10, 17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. How do we get that faith? How do we stir that up? We read the stories of the life of Jesus and see how he constantly did the healing of the sick and raising the dead. Memorize those scriptures. Get them deep within us. 
Look up scriptures on topics of healing. Get around people of faith who believe God for supernatural uh, miracles. Now I'm going to close with this story. Last week, I think it was a week and a half ago now, I got a call from a, a preacher friend of mine in, in Ohio named Matt. Every year, his mother um, rents somewhere for them to all go and have Christmas together before they have their individual family things. And so she rented this uh, huge cabin in, um, I think it was Indiana. And uh, their whole family got together. It was beautiful. He said it had an indoor jacuzzi, indoor pool. It had pool tables, dartboards, foosball, everything, all the amenities, everything they needed. It also had a huge screen TV in the living room. He said when he... When they got there, he walked in, just plopped down on the couch while everyone else is running around, checking everything out. About 30 minutes later, he heard a scream. He got up, he went running. All he saw was his son diving into a pool. And he saw his five-year-old grandson face down in the pool. They brought him out, and people started doing CPR. His son was doing CPR, mouth to mouth, doing everything on him, trying to get him. Matt told me at that moment, he felt his grandson's spirit rise up out of the body. He said, Phil, I heard him say, Grandpa, help me, I'm leaving. Instantly, he dropped down, started praying for God to save his grandson and bring him back. He started rebuking Satan, taking authority over death, hell, and the grave. Now, I told you my sermon's question was, are you ready for a miracle? At that moment, when he felt his grandson saying, help me. He didn't have time to get ready for a miracle. He didn't have time to get prepared for a miracle. He didn't have time to get the faith for a miracle. He either had it or he didn't. He was either ready for the miracle or he wasn't. Thank goodness he was. That was a Friday night. He came back to life while he was praying, and the ambulance came and took him to the hospital. Three hours later, they released him from the hospital. He went back to the house, and he was running around playing the rest of the weekend. That was Friday night. Monday morning, he went to school. First off, tell me my God's not a miracle-working God. Second off, are you ready if you were in that situation? Are you ready for a miracle? What if you were a bystander walking by and you saw it? Are you ready for the miracle?
because that's what our opening scripture this morning said. We're to heal the sick, raise the dead. Are you ready for the miracle? Let's bow our heads. If you don't know him this morning, whether you're watching, listening, or here, I want to give you the opportunity to accept Christ as your personal Savior. But for the rest, you may be going through the motion, just getting by, doing the bare minimum. But you're not doing what God's called you to do. He's not called us to just be in our home, go to work, come home. Go to ball practice. Go to all of the activities that keep our time busy. We're to be working for Christ. We're to be doing healing the sick, raising the dead. Are you ready for a miracle? If that was you, if you were Matt, if you, were, if you would not be ready for that miracle, or there's a doubt in your mind, you better get ready today. Because Satan is out to steal, kill, and destroy, and he'll attack at the weakest link, at the weakest point. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you, we thank you that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for us, all of us, for our sins. Lord, we pray that you'll forgive us of all those sins, take them away, Lord, wash them under the blood and then come into our hearts, Lord. Fill us up with your Holy Spirit, Lord. And Lord, we just thank you that you give us the power through your Holy Spirit to do miracles. Lord, prepare our hearts. Lord, give us the strength, the tenacity to get into the word, to read to study, to get close to you, to be with you in your presence, Lord. Lord, help us to pray for the miracles, to seek them out, Lord, not to hide from them. Lord, we just pray that you will give us that stir up that hunger and that thirst to do more for you, to do, to be obedient and be what we're supposed to be. Lord, help us to grow much fruit. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. The altars are open. If you want to spend time with him, 